0: Well, Pastor Jeff has been going through the book of Acts with us, and last week Stephen spoke, and one of Stephen's comments, I told him I was going to quote him, one of his things that he asked us to think about is what people were probably saying about the Apostle Paul before his conversion, because Stephen's passage was in Acts about the conversion of the apostle. He said, they were probably saying, there is no way this person's ever going to be a Christian. Think about that. I went back through the beginning of what we've already done up to chapter 9 and looked at some passages that showed how focused the early church was. The first believers gathered together, how focused they were on prayer. We've just heard an example of how encouraged this couple on the field, Jen and Curtis, feel when they receive a message that someone's praying for them. In Acts 1.14, it says these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So these core group of followers, about 120, it says in verse 15, devoted themselves to prayer. This was before they chose the replacement for Judas. This was before Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. But it over and over shows us the importance of prayer. So when we get to the end of Acts 2 in verse 41, so then those who received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. One twenty, three thousand. Prayer. Prayer. Then Peter and John heal the man that was born lame, and there's a prayer recorded. Something they prayed, just as the woman wrote her prayer and sent it to Curtis and Jen, this is one that was recorded in Acts chapter 4, 24 to 31. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was the prayer. Now look at the result in 35. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word with boldness. I think you get the idea. The early church was devoted to prayer 20, 29, I kind of emphasized that word confidence and boldness because I think those were some of the things they were praying for, for people like Curtis and Jen and Emily, who you'll be hearing from, and myself, to have confidence when we travel and speak to other people and to be bold in our witness. And the salvation of souls, just like with the Apostle Paul, is one of the main things we want to keep in focus. We want people to come to know our Jesus, who means so much to us and is the only way to God. So another word that isn't used here is the word intercession. Now, I was so excited when Jeff and I talked about kind of the theme that I could weave into a Sunday on missions. (laughs) And we came up with this idea of intercessory prayer, interceding for other people. That's what the people were doing in this time because as you know, Peter and John from Pastor Jeff's teaching were thrown into jail and the people were interceding. They were praying for Peter and John. The classical Greek word, now the Bible was written in Koine Greek, but the classical Greek word for intercede means to bring a petition before a king on behalf of another person. No wonder the early church used it for prayer because we bring our petitions before the God of the universe, the King of Kings. Another place where the word intercede is actually used is in Acts chapter 8, and I am so encouraged with this, because in 8.26, it says, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And then, a little bit farther down, in Acts thirty eight thirty four, talking about Jesus Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So we are just following the pattern of the Trinity when we intercede for others. Jesus was a busy person during those three years of ministry but he took time away to pray, often having to get away from the crowds who were following him. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 4-2 commands his readers and us, devote yourselves to prayer. So I ask again, as I did at the beginning, Actually, I forgot to ask it at the beginning, so I'm asking it now. Who do you think prayed for Paul? He was Saul then. Who do you think interceded for this man that as Stephen said, boy, there's no way, they thought he was going to become a Christian, but he did. Well, my reason for... Being happy that Pastor Jeff and I came upon this topic of intercession, praying for others, either to become Christians or for their needs, is because I leave this Tuesday for six weeks as a part of my ministry in Europe with a small missions organization called Entrust. And our our verse is where we get our name. 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful ones who will be able to then teach others also. And I want to tell you a little bit about a video you're going to see that will be a woman I'll be traveling with, Aggie is a woman that I met, and she'll share a little bit about that in the video, when she did a module with me in Hungary called Developing a Discerning Heart. And I just started praying for Agi. She was already a believer, but she had gone through many struggles. She had lived under communism. Her dad had died when she was very young because her mother was Polish, but the children were born in Hungary. The communist government would not let the mother take the children back to Poland. They had to stay in Hungary. I mean, there were all kinds of really tough things this young woman came through. But I'll let her speak for herself.
1: Hello, my name is Agi Seke, and I want to share a story with you about my relationship with Trish Barrett. Um, I am half Hungarian, half Polish and I live in Budapest. Uh, This is where I met Trish when she was coming in 2017 to facilitate Developing a Discerning Heart, the second module of Interest Equipping Women trainings. She was doing that with Barb Allen and uh, from the first time we just got along so well. She became my mentor and my friend. Along with when I participated in um, FRL and DBS, our first and third module, Uh, we were doing um, FRL in Switzerland and DBS in Austria together. After I have completed all my trainings, she also mentored me as a facilitator pursuing certification. uh, And we have done an online DDH with the ladies from the Middle East, and we did another online training DBS uh, for international for an international group. Um, yeah, so uh, basically, I have started my trainings as a multinational employee still, uh, and. Uh, I knew from the first thing that I want to do this training and uh, all of them, and I want to facilitate them later on. But first I was thinking that I would do that as a multinational employee, uh, having my day job and uh, doing the trainings. But the Lord had another plan for me. Um, He made me uh, lose my job or rather he allowed me lose my job and um, I have then strongly considered and applied to interest as a staff member. Uh, since then we did many things together with Trish and uh, last year she has asked me to become the new European regional team leader and the position she's holding right now. Um, she asked me to take over from her. Uh, we are going to uh, take a trip within Europe to be for me to be able to see in person all the ladies who are working with us. Let them be intra staff or just uh, people from other missions or other day jobs who are working with us. Um, We would like you to pray for this trip, as it is going to be tiring, six weeks on the road. And um, we start on the 31st of August in Latvia, and we end October 10th in France, Paris. Um, I am sure that she will be, or I will be, able to share more details with you. This year we are transitioning, uh, so it's a learning curve for me. But Trish is a great help and mentor and encourages me a lot. I am very glad that I have met her and very glad that um, she is willing to entrust this responsibility to me. And I hope to work for God's glory.
0: So that's Auggie. And I am so excited. Um, I am in my upper 60s now. So you can really be praying, we are going to do eight countries in six weeks. Planes, trains, and automobiles, and probably boats, and every other kind of transportation you can imagine. But um, it's very important that we transition well, and that the women that I have made and built relationships with, who use our training to equip local women, we have national movements in Italy, in Latvia, in France, starting in Hungary, there's some in Moldova, at many different countries that are using our training to equip other women in Europe. And I have been praying for her, and I have been praying for someone to turn this over to who would be a European, who would (laughs) understand when I make faux pas that are more Americans trying to understand Europeans. To give you an example, I'm going to be staying in the home of someone I don't know in Latvia and I gave her phone number out without permission and Augie said, nope, nope, you never do that for a European. You never give out their phone number, even if it's just to the person who's picking you up at the airport. Um, So she knows all of those. And I am so very thankful for Augie. But I'm also very thankful for Emily who's with me today because one of the things when, I I have not traveled to Europe since 2019, got caught with COVID, had plans to be there. April, 2020 didn't happen and everything kept being delayed. So one of the things we did is we took our training online and Emily, I met a long time ago, 12 years? Probably 2009 or 10. uh, When I worked with Bethel Seminary of the East as the center director for the DC, Northern Virginia, Maryland campus. And I can still remember her coming to me and as someone who's trying to kind of feel out someone who wants to take seminary, you say, well, What's leading you to seminary? Why do you think you want to take classes? And she said, when I go back to the Philippines, there are so many problems that these women have, and I want to be better equipped to give them answers to the questions. So she graduated. I had already joined staff, (laughs) and she said, I think your ministry would help me do this. So now Emily is also on Entrust staff. So I'm gonna give her a few minutes to share about what she does in the Philippines and um, then I'll come back up.
2: Magandang umaga. That's good morning in the Philippines. Um, okay, um, as you know, I'm a Filipina and I'd like to share with you my personal stories, how my, my burdens have turned into missions and visions. Now let me tell you about the Philippines. Next slide please. This is the Philippines. We used to be, we have a lot of natural resources but we are the third disaster prone in the world. So we have a lot of typhoons, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions and so that this has become of us after so many of those things happening to us every year. Um, in addition to that, we, ha- we, we are overpopulated because of no other resources. And so next slide, please. So we, the women resorted to going abroad. Anywhere before the pandemic, you have we have at least 10 million people all over the world, 10% of our population, as, domest- as domestic helpers or entertainers. In fact, there was a time when you look into the inter- in the dictionary, they define Filipina as a domestic helper. Well, with the increase of the remittance, of course, was the downside of it, because the result was a broken home, the kids were left outside, The men stayed at home, the women sent the money, but the men started to gamble, to drink, and to womanize. And so we have illegitimate children, broken families, teenage pregnancy, and all other problems. So, next slide, please. We, 90% of my people are Catholics, but we are bordering on fanaticism. So we have those idols, we have those novenas, and we have those sacrifices. And Second Chronicle says, my people will call on my name, humble themselves and pray, and he will really hear. But we don't turn from our wicked ways. And so he failed to hear us. We continued to go down the train Slide. For my part, when I became a Christian, I was raised a Catholic, but when I became a Christian, I tried to do that. I know I have to share the gospel, so I was going up the mountains, talking to the kids, sharing them the gospel. I was talking to the women you know, in the marketplace and everywhere about the plans of God for them to be good mothers, what the scripture says. I was doing seminars on becoming a blessing, God's purpose in your life. But there was just so many problems. Next slide. I thought that when I share the gospel, that's enough. But developing a disciple is more than that. You have to hold on to them until they're able to stand up and share the gospel to another but there are just so many hands and I really don't know what to do. And so, next slide. That's when I decided to study and met Trish, and as she said, and of course when she asked me, why are you entering seminary? Your background is engineering. I said, I don't have responses to all these problems. So from systematic theology, I went into pastoral counseling, and finally finishing my doctorate in pastoral counseling at Liberty. And so she said, so where are you going? I don't know, Tris. And so I told her, where you go, I go. And so she introduced me to Intrust, And it was really the way of God, because Intrust was training women leaders, you know, to be active, to be able to teach the Bible. And so I became a Philippine Hub coordinator in 2018 and started teaching the four modules. the is the FRL, the how to, that is relational learning, then DDH, which is discerning heart, where you open your, your life story. And so in this study, uh, can we go back to this slide, please? So from interest, also I had my personal ministry, Hannah's Home. What is Hannah's Home? Um, when I was doing my thesis, I, my thesis was on human trafficking. And so I have to understand the problems of human, women. And I did this during the COVID time and had this um, via Zoom. Uh, so where are we now? Next. Hannah's home in 2019 to 2000. We started with seven victims, uh, human traffic victims, uh, but in the process they become. Um, my thesis was uh, how to restore hope through scriptures. And so this woman has changed from, you know, when they walk in the community, they were they look at the floor because they cannot even lift up their eyes. But during the pandemic, they became active because we were able to get donations when we had the community. Now uh, we call it a community quarantine. Nobody could get out of the community. And so we were, we were able to get donations and we were able to help 160 families in the community. And also uh, last Christmas, we were able to help 400 children celebrate Christmas. And next slide please. This is Hannah's home now from the seven abused women. We have right now more than 50 women joining Hannah's home and they're not even abused. And I I asked them, why are you here? And you know the response? We are all poor. But they are happy poor. So we want to be happy poor too. So they, they join us. And so we be, uh, in la, my last visit, to last month, we have our first baptism. And I was able to go into community groups and talk to them about their gospels. And, and we are increasing in numbers. Not only we're teaching them spiritual maturity, we're, but we're teaching them also to be livelihood, teaching them skills. So that they could help their families, um, and also within trust. Next slide. As Philippine Health Coordinator, we have women finishing the. We have five women finishing the first module. We have another eight finishing the second, and the third one, five finishing. Uh, how to teach the Bible. And they're going to Thailand this October. And after that, they will be facilitators. In the next year or so, we'll have full pledge women who are able to teach the Bible. And so with these women working with us in Hanas, then probably the remaining 5% of my countrymen could move into real faith. So I praise God. You know, I, I am talking to you today, respective of your stage in life. You might have that calling. It could be a personal calling. It could start with a person. But God will really equip you, no matter when you feel like giving up. And even if you say, why am I doing this, Lord? Because he is a faithful. And he always stays with us, no matter what. God be the glory.
0: So I think Emily gives some real feet to the ground of what our training can help do. Because one of the things that she wants, even for Hannah's home, which is in a different area of the country than where we're currently holding trainings, is for the women there to be trained so that they can train others as they come in. So whether you are interceding for Jan and Curtis at the the beginning of the gospel, at translating the Bible, or you're interceding for Emily, who is working with women in the Philippines, both those in churches to make sure they are trained so they can reach out, but also to the people in the community who have issues and problems, or whether you pray for me and Europe, a post-Christian nation. We kind of had to go back to square one and preach the gospel again in Europe. We need your prayers, all of us. And we would also ask you, think about what God might be calling you to do. I don't think any of us thought this is what we would be doing right now. But when God gives you a call, he fulfills it. That was probably still my life verse. Faithful is he who calls you and he also will bring it to pass. So who are you interceding for? For salvation, like someone interceded for the Apostle Paul. Who are you interceding for who is on the mission field? Who are you interceding for if you are a Christian worker that's going to take over from you the way Augie is taking over from me? Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for the privilege it is to intercede, to bring our requests to the king of kings on behalf of others. Lord, I thank you that this is a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, that missions are in our name. Thank you for the heritage that we have. And Lord, I thank you so much for the variety within the family of God, and yet the unity that is created by your spirit. Lord, guide us as we leave here today to think more of what you want from us and less of what we want ourselves. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus'
1: name, amen.